Welcome to the CISSP Cyber Training Podcast, where we provide you the training and tools you need to pass the CISSP exam the first time. Hi, my name is Sean Gerber, and I'm your host for this action-packed, informative podcast. Join me each week as I provide the information you need to pass the CISSP exam and grow your cybersecurity knowledge. All right, let's get started. Good morning, this is Sean Gerber with CISSP Cyber Training, and I hope you guys are all having a wonderful day today. Today is CISSP exam question Thursday. So yes, today we're going to go over CISSP exam questions from the previous podcast that this is again on Thursday and the podcast we have on Monday. This is to follow up on those specific, the content that was there. These are the specific questions that you may see on the CISSP exam. Again, I want to stress this before as we've done before multiple times is that these are not the questions that are word for word that you will see on the CISSP. These are questions that are similar that you might see on the exam. But the ultimate goal of these questions is not to teach you the test. It's to teach you the overall concept so that you understand what the question is actually asking you of. They are not designed to give you, hey, if you know this question, you will pass the exam. No, they are not designed for that at all. They are designed just to give you a good understanding of what you can anticipate and what you might see on the exam. So this is the overall, this is question Thursday. So we're going to go over questions, 15 various questions that are considered, that are over the last podcast focused on cryptography. But before we get started, we want to talk about an article that I saw as it relates to this actual topic that we're dealing with when it comes to cryptography. Now, Security Intelligence has a product out there or a a blog post that's the CISO's Guide to Accelerating Quantum Safe Readiness. And this is a great article around quantum and what you should be doing as a security professional, what you you should be looking at. Now, I don't know if you all are aware that there's been a lot of hubbub out there that quantum will both has obviously promises and challenges as it relates to the encryption piece of this. And many people feel that there is a public risk to the public key encryption that's out there and available. And they, they feel that it's the, the store later kind of concept. I had heard this where it, because they don't have the ability to crack the, the hashing algorithms at this point, they feel that what they can do is bad guys or gals can then steal all the content, store it for later, and then be able to use quantum to crack the code and be able to uh, get break the, the encryption that's tied to it. Now, they're saying that future cryptography events, obviously quantums might be able to break the public key algorithms, such as we talked about Rivest, Shamir, Alderman, the RSA, and also the elliptic curve Diffie-Hellman options that are available out there. And it potentially could leave it for... Uh, being able to be decrypted. They, they have this concept called the harvest now, decrypt later. I, yeah, I just probably butchered that at the beginning, but you basically, you, you take it now, you steal it now, you decrypt it later. And I know the, I've, I've, I shouldn't say I know, I'm aware of the NSA has done this. I believe that other government entities are probably doing this as well. Because their goal is that they've been able to get gobs of data amongst each of their other countries, and they've been able to steal it over the years, and so therefore, but it's encrypted. But rather than having to try to break fruit, brute force that now, they will then turn around and store it for later with the goal that they'll be able to utilize it with the, once the encryption keys are are crackable. They'll be able to go and get access to it. So what a CISO should do and what a security professional should do is one, understand what is the crypt- cryptography within your environment, 
observe the cryptography and then transform the cryptography. When they talk about discovering it, you just you need to understand where it all resides within your organization. And they talk about having a cryptography bill of materials. Uh, this is your C-bomb, right? And I, I know a bomb, I hear people talk about bill of materials a lot. They're talking about understanding the overall cryptography within your environment so that you know where it's at. And this would include the, the parts that are in, embedded within your organization to also include third-party products that might be doing that same type of aspect. Um, those that are used to create and validate digital signatures, all of those pieces, how the applications are using crypto, all of that you should be able to have, try to have some level of understanding on. Then the next part is observing it and then knowing how is it working within your organization. As we talked about in the last podcast, just putting in an IPsec tunnel that would be between two endpoints. You would need to observe how is it being used. Know, so one, you would know that you have these IPsec tunnels in place. Two, you'd observe where it's how it's being used and where what data is transferring between it and that the ultimate goal then is is that to to ensure that you understand it so that now when they do this harvest now decrypt later you know the data that potentially is encrypted and you know that what they could be stealing from you so i've had it happen to me as a CISO where there's been data that's been stolen uh, when in the past, many years ago, I've had data that was stolen from us. And in the case of doing that, you just you assume that, that all that data is encrypted. But when it's encrypted, the goal is that it will be in a situation where it won't be able to be re, re established, right? So I should say not as a CISO, but in a previous life with the, with the military, I had seen data that had been stolen. And as that data had been stolen, then you go, okay, now once they have it, will they be able to decrypt it? And the, the ultimate goal of this is that they they hope they won't, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that plays out in the future. I know the MIT came up with new quantum uh, crypto guidelines on how you should work to make your environment uh, more quantum protected, and I would recommend you go check that out as well, and that would help you understand. I, I've I've just looked at it; I haven't actually dug deep into it myself, but it would help your organization to understand how to ensure that you have some level of quantum safe solutions in place as we go into the future, because it's a matter of time, especially as we talked about in the last podcast around some of these older systems, like Des, for an example, it's got 56-bit encryption, which it already can be cracked now, but now you throw quantum into the mix, all of those things can be cracked relatively quickly. And I know the key pair that the MIT is recommending, I believe is 2048 uh, versus when we talked about SHA-256, uh, they feel confident that the quantum will have the ability to wreak havoc on these lower uh, bit encryption technologies. So then to transform it, again, once you transform, you want to build out quantum safe solutions. And it's important that you think about this from a long-term perspective. How would you do that? And you have time right now, but now is the time as a security professional to start considering how is quantum going to play a factor within your organization. All right, so let's go and get into the CISSP questions that we have planned for today. Question one, which symmetric key encryption algorithm is current gold standard considered for applications? A, DES, B, triple DES, C, Blowfish, or D, AES? Okay, so do you have, what is the gold standard? DES, triple DES, Blowfish, or AES? And the answer is D. AES. AES offers the robust security and efficient performance that you're looking for as it relates to various pieces of security. And this was one that would be highly recommended. 
Question two, which hashing algorithm is considered insecure data due to the collision of vulnerability, due to collision vulnerabilities? Okay, which hashing algorithm is considered insecure due to collision vulnerabilities? A, SHA-256, B, MD5, C, both SHA and MD5, or D, neither SHA or MD5? And the answer is B, MD5. MD5 suffers from weaknesses that allow attackers to create colliding message pairs, thus compromising the integrity of its verification abilities. SHAF-256 does remain secure and therefore it is recommended for hashing. Question three, what key size does RSA commonly use for encryption? A, 128 bits. B, 256 bits. C, varies depending upon application. Or D, RSA is not typically used for encryption. Which key size does RSA commonly use for encryption? That's the question. And the answer is D. RSA is not typically used for encryption. It employs key sizes up to 2048 or higher for stronger encryption. And it is capable of encryption, but technically it isn't common. It's commonly used for key exchange and digital signatures. So it is not typically used for encryption. What type of cryptography algorithm is best suited for securing communications on resource-constrained devices such as wearables? Okay, again, if you're looking at a wearable, obviously that's like an IoT device, it would have a, you'd want something with a low bit or a low key, right? So a low bit, a low amount of bits, a reduced amount of bits. I can't even say it, but you want less bits. So you want that if you're dealing with a a wearable. A, AES, B, RSA. C, C, ECC, or D, 3DES. Okay, so AES, RSA, ECC, or 3DES. Again, which algorithm is best suited for securing communications on resource-constrained devices such as wearables? And that would be ECC. It offers comparable security to RSA, but with a smaller key size, making it much more efficient for these smaller type devices. Question five, which protocol allows secure key exchange over an insecure channel without pre-shared secrets? So which protocol allows secure key exchange over an insecure channel without pre-shared secrets? A, AES, B, Diffie-Hellman, C, Digital Signature Algorithm, D, Al-Gamal. Which protocol allows secure key exchange over an insecure channel without a pre-shared secret? A, AES, B, Diffie-Hellman, C, Digital Signature, or Al-Gamal? And the answer is B, Diffie-Hellman enables two parties to establish a shared secret key even if their communication is intercepted, making it crucial for secure communication protocols such as TLS and SSH. Which advantage does asymmetric cryptography offer over symmetric cryptography? A, faster encryption, decryption speeds. B, non-repudiation and digital signatures. C, smaller key sizes, or D, more readily available hardware and acceleration, hardware acceleration. Okay, which advantage does asymmetric cryptography have over symmetric? And the answer is B, non-repudiation and digital signatures. Okay, asymmetric cryptography allows digital signatures ensuring non-repudiation, obviously proof of authorship, which is not achievable with symmetric algorithms. Question seven, which of the following is a common application used for hashing algorithms? A, password storage. B, software download integrity verification. C, data encryption. Or D, blockchain technology. Which of the following is a common application used for hashing algorithms? 
And the answer is B, software download integrity verification. So when you're doing integrity verification of downloads, a hashing algorithm is typically used. Why? Because you want to ensure that what is downloaded is actually what you're getting. So that's, you'll see it often when you go to do a download, you'll have the hashing algorithm off to the side, and then you can compare hashes on what you're downloading to ensure that you're getting what you are wanting. Which algorithm, question eight, which algorithm is most vulnerable to brute force attacks due to its small key size? A, AES-256, B, SHA-512, C, ECC, D, DES. Okay, so which algorithm is most vulnerable to brute force attacks due to its small key size? And that is DES. DES uses a 56-bit key, making it susceptible to being cracked with from various attackers. So that's why you want to use stronger algorithms such as AES and SHA. Question nine, which potential drawback does the key exchange in asymmetric cryptography have compared to symmetric cryptography? A, lower performance due to complex calculations. B, susceptibility to man-in-the-middle attacks. C, increased key management complexity. Or D, all of the above. And the answer is D, all of the above. Asymmetric cryptography can be slower than symmetric due to intricate mathematical operations. It also requires careful management of public and private keys, increasing its complexity. Question 10, why is using a combination of different cryptography algorithms recommended for secure systems? A, to avoid vendor lock-in. B, to leverage the strengths of each algorithm for specific tasks. C, to comply with industry regulations. Or D, to make system debugging easier. Why is a combination of different cryptography algorithms recommended in secure systems? And the answer would be B, to leverage the strengths of each algorithm for the specific tasks that are at hand. So if you're dealing with RSA, you're dealing with AES, you're dealing with SHA-256, each of those will have different uses within your organization and therefore they can be used in a layered approach. Question 11, which organization publishes recommendations for secure cryptography use in the industry? A, FBI, B, NIST, C, ISC squared, CISSP, or D, NSA? And the answer is B, NIST. Obviously, the National Institute of Standards and Technology does publish special publications such as SP 857, which provides guidance on cryptography or cryptographic algorithms and their potential applications. Question 12, what is the primary purpose of a digital signature in the context of cryptography? A, to encrypt data for secure storage. B, to guarantee data confidentiality. C, to ensure data integrity and non-repudiation. Or D, to compress data for efficient transmission. What is the primary purpose of a digital signature in the context of cryptography? And the answer is C, to ensure data integrity and non-repudiation. Digital signatures Digital signatures primarily offer data integrity and non-repudiation. They, by binding the message to the sender's private key, anyone can verify the message hasn't been tampered with and identifying the origin. This is all through the public key infrastructure, PKI. Question 13, when choosing cryptographic algorithm for an application, what factors should be considered? A, cost of implementation. B, vendor support availability. C, security strength and maturity of the algorithm. Again, the question is, when choosing a cryptographic algorithm for an application, what factors should be considered? And the answer is D, all of the above. I don't think I forgot to mention that one. It's all of the above. Cost implementation, vendor support availability, and security strength and maturity of the algorithm, all of those should be considered as factors.
Question 14. What best practice should be followed to secure cryptographic keys in an environment? A. Store the keys in plain text for easy access. B. Use the same key for multiple purposes. C. Implement strong key generation, storage, and rotation mechanisms. Or D. Rely solely on software-based key management. What is the best practice should be followed in secure cryptographic keys in your environment? And the answer is C. Implement strong key generation, storage, and rotation mechanisms. You want to have all of that in place when you're dealing with keys. And, I, and that is a really a big factor. As soon as you possibly can, if you have some, some level of password management and you have keys in your environment, you want to look at rotating them as much as you possibly can. I mean, within practice, right? Within practical. You, you want to make sure that you're not just creating more work for yourself. But ro- key rotation is an important factor in security. Which statement is true regarding forward security in cryptography? What does what so basically what does forward security do? A it guarantees complete protection against decryption even with compromised keys. B it ensures past sessions cannot be decrypted if future sessions keep future session keys are compromised. C it provides perfect security against all cryptographic attacks or D it is not relevant for modern secure communication protocols. So which statement is true regarding the forward secrecy in cryptography? And what is forward secrecy? Well, basically forward secrecy is it ensures past sessions cannot be decrypted if future sessions keys are compromised. That's that's the ultimate goal is that it's mitigating damage from key exposure. Now, it's it's not, obviously not completely 100% going to fix everything, but it will allow you to have some level of uh, protection. And again, all of this comes down to layering it, right? We, we, you cannot guarantee that one thing is going to fix everything. You have to ensure that you have layers in place to ensure your protection is adequate. Okay, that's all I've got for you today. Again, this was CISSP question Thursday. Head on over to CISSPCybertraining.com. Check out some of the great products I've got there. I've got some awesome stuff to help you pass the CISSP exam the first time. Had another one come in today. An individual just passed their CISSP and they they're on their way to doing what they want to do. So life is good. Uh, catch out my, I've got a mentoring and coaching program as well. It's available for you. If you don't know what you want to do with your life as far as cybersecurity and how to make the next step, check out my mentoring program. It is amazing because I say that not because I'm amazing. No, I'm not. I'm not amazing at all. But I'm saying that because the one thing I struggled with when it came to the CISSP and even cybersecurity in general is I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was my best career. I'll tell you that I've done, I haven't done it all, but I've done a lot of different things in security and I can give you some guidance and some direction around that. So go check out my mentoring program. It's definitely well worth it. You get all of my CISSP training, plus you get access directly to me and I will set aside time specifically for you and we will have conversations and make sure that we get you on the right path for success. All right. I hope you have a wonderful day and we will catch you on the flip side. See ya. Thanks so much for listening today as it was my pleasure to prep you for the CISSP exam. But are you interested in some free CISSP exam questions? Head on over to CISSPQuestions.com and sign up to join my email list and you will gain access to 30 free CISSP questions each and every month. That's a total of 360 questions just for signing up with CISSP Cyber Training. You will also gain access to other free resources, so just head on over to freeCISSPQuestions.com or CISSPCybertraining.com and sign up today. 
All right, have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you on the flip side. See ya.